Zero today live with Barry Brown and Dax Carlisle. Wait, that's me. That is you. And I'm Mary Brown. Hey, Hi, Mary. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever and whenever you may be listening to us across the entire globe. That's right. Here we are live again. We are the show. Here we are. Bringing you the world of tarot for nearly 13 years. And uh, we started off as radio and now we're doing live video streaming on YouTube as well. You can call into the show. Mary, tell them how they can call into the show. Yes, they can call in by um, calling the number for the show, which is 714, <laughs> I don't know, 816-4628. I'm drinking coffee. I couldn't even help you. <laughs> I know. 714-816-4628. Be sure to press the number one on your dial pad because it raises your skinny little arm in the air. At least that's what it looks like on the switchboard for Dax. And you can call in for a free mini reading. You can call in to just discuss the topic of the day. We've got a great interview coming up for you in a little bit with the amazing Chris Walter, which you may know. Tarot people may know her as the author of the Lover's Path Tarot. That's what the back design looks like. And also the classic Goddess Tarot. That's the back design for that there. And she wrote a really cool historical novel that we'll be talking about later. But yeah, they could call in after that, ask for a free mini reading and just shoot the breeze. Right, Dex? Yeah, yeah. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can actually call in. We're one of the few YouTube um, lives that you can actually call in and talk to us on the phone. It's it's really cool. Uh, we're twisting the technology to make this actually work. <laughs> and if you're you know if you're listening to us on Block Talk, you can come and see Mary and I. You can see us on camera. You just go to tarottoday.live. That's the URL that takes you to our Tarot Today Live YouTube channel. Of course, you can search Tarot Today Live on YouTube, but we made that nice little URL that will take you right over to the channel. Just open a new tab in your browser, www.tarottoday.live. Yeah, it's not a .com. It's a .live. And when you get over to the YouTube channel, you'll see the live live that mary and i are currently on yeah anyway click that and you'll be able to get in the chat on the right and uh oh uh in the chat they can ask for a mini reading in the chat they can discuss yes uh what we're talking about you know uh mary and i or at least i know i'll be in there during the interview we're watching so while we're all watching the interview if you guys want to chit chat about it you can uh you can ask for a mini reading in there there you if go. you want to make, if you want like just a general reading, just say, just type in, pick a card for me, and then we'll just pick a card for you and give you a, give you a general reading. Or if you have a specific question, just type in your question rather than typing in, can I have a reading? Are you doing readings? Is this yeah. a show where they do readings? Like, yeah, yes, it is. Just hit the ground running with it or the keyboard. Absolutely, absolutely. This is an odd day. I mean, it feels very quiet. Um, I'm not even seeing anybody in the chat yet. I'm sure some people will be popping in there on YouTube. Um, Got some callers, but, you know, it's just very quiet. It it might be the energy of the day. Um, What what are the numbers like? Speaking of the energy, yeah, well, it's the 29th, and so, you know, every – 29th of of a month is a master number 11 day master illuminator number so Mm -hmm. this is a great time to either be teaching something that you really love or learning something new um especially if it has anything to do with you know higher concepts like universal things uh, how the universe works the law of attraction tarot numerology astrology you know anything along those lines uh it also reduces to two which is relationships um the entire date reduces to nine 
So that's mm. in, that's endings. Yeah. And what I was getting, uh, so for the car of the day, I got temperance. Uh. I got temperance. I love I love the Chiro Marchetti version here in the Grand Lux. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And along with that, I pulled some qualifying cards. You know, I feel with um, with temperance, we're talking about uh, balance and uh, also the alchemy card. Um, the mixing together of opposites to create something new. And I got some qualifying cards. So, like, okay, here's one card I got. The Seven of Swords, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's longing he's sneaking through the castle. He's already stolen like five and he's like longing after these last two, you know, and we know thoughts and ideas. Swords are thoughts and ideas, right? In tarot. And so here it's the, I think the message that's coming through with the temperance card, that card, and also nostalgia, I got the, uh, the six of cups also. Okay. I think what's going on here, especially with it being a nine date is um, what can you let go of? You see, I think that um, you already have a lot of great thoughts and ideas. You know, uh, don't worry about trying to get these last two swords here. You may want to look at things from the past. Look at, uh, especially because the Master Illuminator number 11 reduces to two relationships, relationships that are no longer serving you. What can you let go of? And uh, literally and figuratively clean out the, co- the closets with that nine energy today. Just, um, you know, what have you not touched in six months in the garage, a year, six years? <laughs> and, um, you know, what relationships, what, what emotional baggage from the past are you still holding on to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let go of that and, and, you know, don't try, you know, it's don't chase after the shiny new object. You know, you already have all these other thoughts and ideas. Go with that and, and then be the alchemist. Manifest it. What'd you get for a card day, Mary? Hmm. Well, it's really kind of interesting. Um, you know, I pulled a card from, I have these two little decks. I don't think they're in print anymore. This one might be, this is like the little angel power card. Oh, yeah. Like really teeny tiny like there's my hand and there's the size of the cards and I just love them so I have the little angel deck and then I have the little devil's deck as well mm. yeah. <laughs> so basically you know I like to pull a card to get a reading of like kind of what's the problem or potential problem what to look out for and what to look forward to you know you could say and it kind of dovetails nicely with what you were saying Dax about letting go and clearing out the closet and stuff because the problem card, the little devil that comes up, and these illustrations are so cute. The card is... Oh, yeah. Look at that. Incomprehension. So, you know, sometimes we can feel, like, really stuck by things we don't understand. Like, we can't wrap our head around, like, how did I end up in this situation? Why did this happen? I don't know my way out. You know, we get all these thoughts, sort of like you were talking about with that seven of swords. And the the kind of remedy to that is this little angel card that comes up. And again, cute little illustrations. And this talks about the power of transformation, getting rid of the old and making room for the new in your life. So again, you know, what doesn't serve you? Um, if there's, you know, you had the two come up and you talked about relationships and that would kind of go right along with that idea of relationships that no longer serve you, you know, or letting go of the past. Um, but also just anything that like making you feel stuck, you know, mm-hmm. it's time, mm-hmm. time to get unstuck. It's hard to go through a transformation if you're stuck. Awesome. So that's what I got. Hey! Uh-oh, sorry. Bless you. <laughs> I couldn't hit the mute button, the cough button. Yeah, do tight. Uh, <laughs> yes, there's stuff in the air, the pollen and everything floating around. Oh, mm. uh, let's yeah. see. I'm checking. Um, oh, okay. We got borders rule in there. 
Hey, all, Yay. howdy. Hey, all, howdy. Well, howdy, all, hey to you, too. <laughs> howdy. Yeah, we got some folks coming in here. Remember, you can ask questions in the chat. You can just ask us to pull a card if you want a general read. Yep. Or if you have a specific question, write the whole specific question in, and uh, we'll get to that. We're going to do that a little later in the show because um, we've got this really cool interview to watch here. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Mary, um, we do have a call. Do you want to take one call before we get into the interview? Let's do it. Let's get this out of the way. We only have one caller in the queue right now, folks. So um, we're going to do this, do the interview. And then when we come back from the live interview, there might be time to take a few more calls. So call in at 714-816-4628 and get your spot on the show. And we'll get to you as soon as we're done with the interview. But uh, we're going to go to area code 646 and see who's out there. Hello, caller. Hi. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Carla. I'm Carla from New York. Thank you for taking my Hi, call. Hi, Carla. Hi. Hi, Carla. Yeah. You're, you're in New York? Yeah. I am, yes. Awesome. What do you want to talk about, Carla? Yes. So my question is this. Um, I thought I had an opportunity to do something um, where I'm currently working, and um, it turns out that it's really not something that's on my supervisor's radar, although he seems to want to support me, but he might get a priority right now, and I may have to wait a long time to do what I want to do. And I'm wondering if the card suggests whether I should just sort of leave at this time and pursue something else and perhaps go independent, which has been something I've been wanting should to do. Should you stay so. or should you go? There you go. Should right? you stay or should you go now? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's on. Um, well, okay. So that uh, just looking at this really quick here. Da, 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 da. You know, I I feel like I feel like you got to stand up for yourself. You know, the Seven of Wands is the central focus card, and so it's, it, so on the one hand, it kind of is about holding your ground, kind of like fending, mm-hmm. you know, your position. Um, but we also have the eight of swords above it. So it's like, what are you protecting by staying? You know, like if you can't Mm -hmm. advance, if you can't, you know, if opportunities aren't there for you, you know, and that's something that, you know, we have, we have the king of cups underneath everything, you know, and it's saying that like, okay, you know, you know, it has to, it has to be, I don't know, at least disappointing that you don't feel supported, you know, in this. The, the way, mm-hmm. you know, you, you should be. Um, mm-hmm. But is now the right time to to potentially make a move? I, I kind of feel like get through the end of the year, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I get with that eight of swords. I feel like it's saying, like, wait a couple months. Wait out November, December. Start the new year. Six of ones comes up in the end here, which is great because, you know, you know, it can be the card of, you know, getting accolades, doing things in public or whatever, but just on a very basic level, this is about appreciation, you know? So mm-hmm. I do think that there's brighter pastures out there for you where you will feel more supported and more appreciated, but I don't feel that right now is the time to move. I think you should wait until at least January, but let's see what Dax is getting. Mm-hmm. Okay, Carla, let's take a look. Let's see here. You know, I I primarily agree with you, Mary. The first card I got was the the three of coins. I mean, you know, that's literally the work card. And uh, for those you know viewing on YouTube, you can see it, it. It's really a card of sticking to it. You know, and you know, using your skills and abilities and where you are and continuing on with that. Uh, however, every other card, Carla, mm-hmm. is talking uh-huh. about doing a whole new venture, right? So I asked this, you know, should Carla be branching off on her own? And I got four yeses out. I mean, four yeses out of five, you know, it's like, yes, 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 yes. And the kind of card we're getting here is, uh, first of all, the death card, which is uh, a transition card. So yes, um, going Mm -hmm. independent. 
leaving mm-hmm. where you are now. And then uh, the world mm-hmm. card, it's literally everything is open to you with that, right? And mm-hmm. the sun card, you can't get a card, you know, in tarot. Wow. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the ace of coins, you know, literally mm-hmm. a new beginning in that area. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with Mary. Oh, wow. Uh, the timing yeah. on this does, does look like more the beginning of 2023. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, stick with what you're doing. Like Mary, the first thing I think out of your mouth was stand up for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hold that that. Position. But I really think you're, you are meant to branch off and, and, you know, do, do, do my own on thing. Your own. Oh, I, yeah. I get that Ultimately, strong yeah. feeling. Yeah. Good. This is good validation. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks really for calling. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks Carla for the call. Oh, Mary. Uh, she mm-hmm. said, you know, one of my one of my favorite lines there, you know, about uh, confirmation. I always say tarot is 90 percent confirmation and 10 percent new information. <laughs> oh, yeah. Confirmation, validation, justification. Yeah. So we're going to now uh, play an interview for you that Mary did with Chris. Uh, I'm going to ask you to reiterate that in a minute, Mary, but just real quickly, I want to let everybody know that uh, this is quite a bit like the majority of the interview, but there is a longer version with some really cool stuff and discussions at the end that we're going to be uploading this afternoon onto YouTube. So after the live, you want to catch the full interview, look for the interview on, on YouTube on our channel, tarotoday.live. But we're going to play you, you know, especially all the good parts <laughs> right now. And uh, if you're listening on, you know, audio, if you're listening on Blog Talk, you're going to be able to hear it. But I suggest, you know, if you're listening and you can possibly do it uh, and you're live with us now, go over to the YouTube channel so you can watch Mary and, and Chris. And Mary, can you fill us in, you know, I know you did it at the beginning of the show, but can you fill us in again about Chris and the interview? Yes. Boulder, um, people in the tarot community, you know, probably are familiar with her work from, again, you know, the goddess tarot. These are decks that, you know, the, the goddess tarot especially has become a classic. I forget exactly what year this came out. This is the back design. If you're like me, you may have lost the box for this a long time ago and may just, and even the little book, I still have the little book. Oh. You know? Yay. Still have the little white book. Yay. Um, but that one and the Lover's Path Tarot. And like to me, these decks have become classics. And it's kind of interesting. Very flexible cardstock on both these decks is very similar. But they are... Um, you know, quite a bit larger. I'm trying to find like a regular size tarot deck. It's so funny. I'm like, where are they? Um, I'm surrounded by a tarot deck. That's not a regular size one. Anyways, these are bigger cards. And Chris yeah. is an amazing artist, author, just really cool lady, like all around. And um, she writes, she writes all kinds of stuff, but she just has a book coming out right now. It's available on Amazon and it's, your regular book retailers and you can, you know, you, you can find it in um, all different formats. I got mine downloaded on my Kindle, my version. Ah. Um, the book is called Unnatural Creatures. It's a historical novel and it is um, about the women in the Frankenstein story. Cause you know, we've heard about the bride of Frankenstein, you know, mm-hmm. there's been movies and stuff, there's been books, but we haven't really, heard about the women from Mary Shelley's novels. So um, Mm -hmm. Chris kind of like was inspired by that and just ran with it. And I don't want to spoil the interview, but she was just wonderful to talk to. And I think you guys will really enjoy hearing what she has to say. And we talked about tarot too. Oh yeah. That's great. Just in time for Halloween too, with all of this. Yes. Right. Frankenstein, Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, so without any further ado, I'm going to share my desktop. You getting the video? Yes. Awesome. And so here we go, folks. See me with a weird look on my face. <laughs> yeah, 
us, like, what's going on there? Chris and Mary, here we Welcome go. Welcome to the Tarot Today Live show, Chris Walter. Thank you so much for coming today to, to spend some time with us to talk about your new book, Unnatural Creatures. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here, Mary. It's it's such a thrill. It really is. Well, it's you know, and it's the perfect time, too, you know, because this is a great book for Halloween. Yeah, I think that when you think of Halloween, one of the things that comes to mind are what are the great horror stories, and one of them is definitely Frankenstein. Um, but I like to say that with Unnatural Creatures, I've taken a more humanist approach. It's a retelling of Frankenstein from the point of view of the three women closest to Victor Frankenstein, his mother Caroline, his bride-to-be Elizabeth, and his servant Justine. Um, it's hard to avoid these sort of phrases when you're talking about Frankenstein, but I like to say that a natural creature shocks through life into Mary Shelley's masterpiece. It's revealed by revealing the feminine side of the tale. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like everywhere. It's like, it's alive, you know, it's electrifying. It shocks. Um, (laughs) But I'm thrilled that so far it's getting really wonderful reception. It's uh, editor's choice over at the historical novel review um, forward reviews really loved it, and um, it's got like a something like an absurd like 4.9 rating on Amazon, which shocks me because usually on Amazon they're immediately like ready to to do whatever they can to to bring a balanced view to reviews. So I'm I'm just really pleased that people are loving it, um, and it's available and I it's in paperback, ebook, audio, as well as hardcover. So it's, I wanted to make sure that it was accessible to, to everybody in whatever format they prefer. Oh, I love that. Because I downloaded it to my Kindle. <laughs> I just love Perfect. Yeah. I have to say that I love reading on my Kindle too, especially good at night when you're sort of getting ready to go to sleep. Well, it's so, it's so funny because, you know, that's the, that's the thing now is like it takes up it takes up digital space right but it doesn't take up as much bookshelf space and that was something that, that I'm sure yeah contact with too you know as a writer you must also be quite an avid reader was there I I am yeah I, I read a lot um and I read really quickly too um, but what's interesting is that I've had a number of people who purchased it as ebook and audiobook, and they liked it so much that they went and they purchased the hardcover because they wanted something collectible. And so that makes me really happy that they're thinking like, oh, yes, I'm going to read this again. Um, but yeah, I, I read a lot. I read a lot of different genres. And depending on what I'm working on, I seem to go between either I'm always reading nonfiction or I'm always reading fiction. Because when I'm writing fiction, it's hard for me to read fiction. So that's usually when I do the research, and um, it's just like I, I love having so many books accessible to me as ebooks. It's just such a wonderful, wonderful cornucopia of wealth, if you will, of literary goodness. Oh, totally! And I wanted to ask you about the research because even you know I started reading the book, and you know just chapter one. Even just, you know, at the start of the book, you can tell that it's well-researched. You know, things that, you know, I didn't know, like about, uh, what are they called? The, in, is it in Switzerland? They're like magistrates, the syndics. The syndics, yeah, yeah. Well, what's interesting is that during the time that Frankenstein takes place, it's the late 18th century, which coincides with the French Revolution as well. And at that time, Geneva was a city republic. It wasn't part of Switzerland yet. And I hadn't realized that until I did my deep dive with research. And thank you, Mary, for mentioning that, because I did spend a lot of time researching it. And I went to Geneva, and I did all sorts of travels and things. Um, But I, you know, it's mentioned one of the first lines in Frankenstein and Victor Frankenstein's narrative is he says, I'm at birth of Geneva and my father has been a syndic. There have been syndics in my family for generations. And I wondered, what is a syndic? And um, so I researched it. And it turns out that they were magistrates, like judges in a way, but they were also considered the aristocracy of Geneva, kind of like the rulers even though it was a republic. So it wasn't like they had a king or a queen. They had these syndics who would come together in a council and rule. 
Um, so that was really something different than I expected. It was fascinating to find out. Yeah, how much, how long did it take to write this book? I mean, and I mean, like researching everything and, you know, start to finish, what's the, what's the journey like? It's about three years, and that seems to be pretty average for these sort of books. Like when I wrote my first novel, The Lost Sister of Dreams, that also took me about three years. But bear in mind that I'm working on other things as I go along. And there's also pauses where, you know, you're waiting for feedback from your agent or your editor or your beta readers. Um, but it, it is a process like that. Usually I do a lot of the research up front just because the more I know, the easier it is for me to write. And then inevitably after I finish a draft, I usually have to do even more research because I realize where I'm lacking certain pieces of information. But I, I really love it. It's easy. We call it, um, people who write historical fiction, we call it going down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Because, you know, you go in for one piece of information, next thing you know, you're researching what were towels made of in 1790 Geneva. <laughs> it gets to be really obsessive. Oh, that's a fascinating though, and I love, the, you know, if it's a if it's a novel, I love historical novels. I've, I've loved those since I was a since I was a kid. I was really into like historical romances by Jude Devereaux. And, you know. I I love those too. I love historical romances. During the pandemic, that was what I mainly read. You know, they were just so comforting. Um, you know, to to a different time and place and and that's what is so great is that you did the research that you did because that really helps us get into it that creates the imagery we can get a sense of, of what things look like and, and what the setting was so just I appreciate that as a reader <laughs> so oh well it makes me happy to hear well um, that's kind of what we call, there's a term that they call it the world building, like how is the world building in a novel? And and that happens also a lot with fantasy novels, like there's a lot of world building involved because the, immers the more immersive the world is, the more, to my mind anyway, the satisfying um, it is to read. Why it just it brings you to another place and time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and why was it important for you to tell like, the feminist side of the story, you know, because we'd never think about the women associated with Frankenstein because nobody really tells us about it. Well, there are, to be fair, there are several novels about Elizabeth um, Victor's Bride, and there's some really wonderful ones. Um, one that comes to mind off the top of my head is called The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Lebenza by Kirsten White, and that came out in 2018, which was the bicentennial of the first publication of Frankenstein in 1818. Um, but I was really interested in how did these three women shape Victor and how were they shaped by the choices he made? Um, and, and it's interesting because even though Frankenstein was written by an 18 year old teenage girl, I mean, that's what Mary Shelley was at that time. It's actually a very masculine novel when you think about it. Um, those who've read it are often surprised to find that it's made up of three narratives, masculine narratives. The first is this Arctic explorer named Robert Walton. The second is Victor Frankenstein, which of course is the one that everybody thinks of. You know, there's like the scientist up in his attic and the lightning and the, you know, it lives and all of that. And the third, which to my mind is the most effective narr narrative, is um, of the creature that Victor creates, who is nameless throughout. So, the women are only presented through Victor's point of view, and they're very kind of thinly written. Um, for example, you know, it's always like Victor, he, he very much idealizes them. And I realize it's because that they are his projection. And so he's not really seeing them for who they are. So I've long loved Frankenstein. Um, it's one of my three favorite novels. And I just always really wanted to do this. I thought about it from the first time I read Frankenstein as a 12-year-old. I was always like, what about the women's side of the story? So that's what I've tried to do. I love that. I love that. And how much did you dig into the Shelleys? Like, I've, I was a big fan of, of Christina Shelley growing up. I read, I have a copy of um, Prometheus Unbound that is, you know, half in Polish, half in English, like page to page. Oh, that's amazing. 
I'm, I would love to see that. Uh, I did a lot of digging into Mary Shelley's life and also her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, because I, I, you know, ultimately, I think of Frankenstein as a book about bad parenting and what happens when you don't take responsibility for those that you bring into the world. And maybe, I mean, I didn't feel like this when I first read it as a 12-year-old. It's just this incredibly great horror novel. And, of course, we know the main themes are about, you know, the scientific hubris of Victor Frankenstein. What does it mean to play God, if you will, in this world? And all of the ethics of that. Um, I mean, in some ways, I have a, my friend Alyssa Palombo always likes to say that Victor Frankenstein is the ultimate tech bro. And I think there's a certain amount of truth to that. Um, but what struck me rereading Frankenstein, um, especially once I had a child of my own, was how many orphans and examples of bad parenting there are in the novel, besides the most obvious one, which is Victor Frankenstein, who creates this creature and then abandons him into the world, and he wreaks havoc. So, so that was kind of the point of view where I was coming from. Circling back to Mary Shelley and Mary Wollstonecraft, um, Mary Wollstonecraft died 11 days after Mary Shelley was born, and so she never knew her mother save through the writings of her mother. So that was fascinating to me. And her father, William Godwin, they were very close until her father remarried. And Mary Shelley didn't get along very well with her stepmother. So there was like bad parenting, number one. And for whatever reason, there was a definite um, distance placed between Mary and her father. And then later when Mary eloped with Percy Shelley when she was only 16, her father basically disowned her. And much of Mary Shelley's writings, I think, were an attempt to kind of reconnect with her father, which eventually they did when she and Shelley were able to marry after the death of his first wife. But it's yeah. something that I think is really there in that story. Like Mary Shelley is saying, like, I've been abandoned by my parents just as this monster has been. And am I a monster because I've been abandoned? Wow. Wow. That, that, that is a really interesting take on it. And, and it really is like a great novel for this time of year. Um, is there any, was that intentional? Because I always think, you know, books a lot often are like movies. You never know the environment it's going to be released into. Sometimes it's really hard to get the time that you, time slot that you want it to come out in. This seemed to kind of work perfectly for you. <laughs> well, I, I have, I, I did choose the October publication date because I, independently published it, and this was a choice I made, I was just ready to try something different after 30 years of traditional publishing. And I could see so clearly how to market unnatural creatures um, that I just kind of felt like it was, trying, it was time to try this. And with the pandemic, there wasn't a lot going on with traditional publishing. So with my agent's blessing, I decided to do this because I didn't really want to wait until after the pandemic to see if it was possible to place it in a more advantageous situation. So, um, you know, I thought to myself, well, I know it's going to take me about a year to publish this book in the way that I want to. And bear in mind that I worked for seven years at Penguin Books. I have a lot of publishing experience. And when people say self-publishing, you're not self-publishing, really. You are self-directed, meaning that you're getting all these people to help you and you have your vision, but you can't do it alone. And I've been incredibly fortunate to have some immensely, immensely talented and generous people, you know, lending their talents to help me bring this, this book into the world. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank is, you. Is Halloween a special time of the year for you? What do you like to do? Oh, of course. It's my favorite holiday. How could it not? Well, also, I also love Easter, too, just because I love spring. Um, well, I am very fortunate that I live in Brooklyn in a neighborhood that is known for having the best house for Halloween. And we live in, the neighborhood is called Ditmas Park, and it has these amazing, huge Victorian houses with porches, so everybody dresses up their house with spider webs and automatic robots, and it's really, really wild. So we have all of these tourists who come just to kind of wander around. I don't know if you know about the Diker Lights at Christmas, where everybody goes to Diker Heights to see all of these Christmas lights. Well, everybody comes to Ditmas Park for Halloween. So there's two Halloween parades, not one, but two, where they have these, like, you know, they have like a band and they have these huge puppets 
carpets and, you know, people walking on stilts, and it's really a huge celebration. So I, I love it. I love it. I really, really do. That sounds fantastic. And, and for our tarot audience or tarot peeps out there, they're probably most familiar with you because of your tarot decks that you that you put out. I have I have two of them, the Goddess Tarot and the Lover's Path Tarot. And I have to say, you know, I've had these for years and I treasure them. And you know, here's the thing that I thought about last night when I was just kind of looking through those decks. Um, in preparation to talk to you and it's like they have never gone out of style you know and yet from the time that you published them in, in even like in a short time span the the tarot deck market has has exploded in so many different directions and changed so much and everybody's putting out a deck here and there and they're putting up putting them on GoFundMe or whatever, you know, they're, ah, it's nuts trying to keep up with it. What's your point of view on on this? What what kind of changes have you noticed in in the world of tarot deck creation? And what impresses you? And what do you think, I don't know, that that's a good change? (laughs) Well, I think you make a very good point about the crowdfunding. That has become huge with tarot, and it, it is hard to keep on top of it. Um, and there's some really, really beautiful decks being created. I have, you know, no criticism, and I'm thrilled to see them get out there in the world. I think what's hard, though, is that when you have so many decks, it's much harder to to see them kind of break out in the way that the Goddess Tarot and the Lover's Path Tarot did for me, because I was fortunate that they were brought out at a time where there wasn't all this crowdfunding and self-publishing. And I'm really grateful that they're still in print. Um, so, but I was just saying, because I, I teach tarot to writers and, and creatives, and I was just saying, you know, anything you can think of, there is a tarot deck. Because I teach using the writer way, because I feel like that's kind of like round zero for yeah. modern tarot decks, because, you know, it has the illustrative tips and such. And, um, and, on one hand, I applaud that. And on the other hand, I also think like, well, how much influence can you really have on the market? I think it's harder for creators in that way. At the same time, though, there are opportunities that there were years ago. It was either, you know, find a publisher or you're kind of out of luck. So, yeah, yeah. But I can tell you some decks that I also work with that I really love. And um, yeah. and I, I, I always like to say that when you're working with a tarot deck, it's like visiting with a friend because they each have different voices. Mm-hmm. And um, so depending on what's going on, I mean, I love, of course, my Goddess Row, which is another very feminine deck about trying to kind of recapture women's stories. The same way with Unnatural Creatures, I was trying to recapture these women's stories of the Frankenstein. And it's just um, a very, like, nurturing and calm deck. Um, and I think it's a great deck for people who are starting out. And I kind of designed it that way that, you know, it has the borders and stuff, and it's meant to be very accessible. But um, beyond my decks, um, I really love the Guy in Tarot mm-hmm. by, oh, I'm spacing on her last name, by Joanna. Oh, forgive me. And she's a friend of mine, too. Um, because I find that it has the most beautiful tips I've ever seen. It's just such a stunning deck. And what else? Um, I worked with, when I was at School of Visual Arts, I studied with David Palladini, who created the Aquarian deck, which was my first deck that I learned on. Yeah. And um, there's also another deck that I find is really, really interesting, and it's not super popular. But when I was learning the tarot, I found it to be very useful. And it is a deck that is pips only that, of course, I'm spacing. I should just go get my box of decks over. (laughs) That's <laughs> being very useful here. But um but the guy in Tarot is one that I just always go to that is just really, really comforting. Um, but there I also really love the decks of, of uh Lisa Hunt, who's a friend of mine, and I'm amazed at how incredibly prolific she is. And yeah. if you're talking about a deck for the season, I would say her ghosts and spirits tarot is really nice and spooky. Yeah, it may not be something you want to read with every day, but I think it's just really like if you want to go like deeper with your ancestral ancestral um, questions, I think it's great for that. Yeah, I think it's great for that, and also um, I think it's like mediumship reading 
So I recommended that. Yes, I was going to say that I could really see that for mediumship readings. Yeah, yeah, when you just want to kind of channel information from another realm. Yeah, and it is spooky. <laughs> it is a spooky it's very spooky, but it's also but it's also very beautiful too. She's just such a gifted watercolorist, and she's one of the few people who is actually working not just digitally. Like I think. Another thing that's happened is that with digital art, it makes it more accessible for lots of people to create it. And there's a lot of skill involved, but it's a little different than when you're working with the physicalities of paint. It's just a different thing. Not better or worse, just different. Yeah, it is different. And uh, it, is, it is kind of a, a thing. And I was talking to, I think I was talking to Chiro about the, the whole AI thing now that is happening. And how yeah, yeah. He, he's done a lot of decks. Yeah, but we were just talking about how, you know, people are now starting to kind of look into it. It's like, oh, could I create a deck and how that can change? Yeah, um, but I always like to say just because you know how to use a Photoshop doesn't make you necessarily an artist. You still have to have the eye and the skill and stuff. And But on the other hand, I'm also glad that it's making it accessible for people who maybe don't want to sit there and futz around with oil paints and things. Yeah, I like the fussing. <laughs> I, like I, I, I do too. I do too. I like the fussing. Yeah. Well, you know, it, you, you mentioned like using tarot to teach writers. And, you know, I find that is so fascinating because I think like three cards gives you a sentence. It could give you a whole story of beginning, middle, and end. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Can you talk about like, how, you know, for some of our listeners, I know we have a lot of writers, you know, that listen to the show and are members of the guild and stuff. What what are maybe just a couple ways that they can use tarot to help with their writing? If they, you know, if they're writing a scene or a chapter and they get kind of stuck on like what the character could be doing or feeling. Well, I think the one thing that I always tell my students is that when you do have that kind of, there's usually a few things going on. Um, Usually you are just trying too hard that you're just so overwhelmed. The other thing that's going on is also that sometimes you're just tired. But the third thing, and this is what Tarot can help you with, is that you have your point of view. So I encourage them to do something, what I call having a conversation with the cards, where you ask the cards a question. And it's the most basic way to work with a Tarot that you can ask them, like, why is this character giving me a hard time in this particular scene? Pull a card, see what the cards have to say. Then from there, ask another question. What about if I try it this way? Take another card and just kind of like get a, a dialogue going yeah. and be open to what it has to say. And if you do have some resistance to what the cards are saying to you, that's something to explore as well. And you could free write on it or whatever. So those are things that, that are very, very simple and very accessible tools if you're feeling blocked with tarot. Um, I also really, really love using the tarot for creating characters. I have what I call these certain cards in the major arcana as well as in the minors. I call them character archetype cards that you can use them to kind of build a character um, and to explore ones that you already have underway that you can kind of think about a character you're writing and then take up the tarot see which tarot card you can associate with them and use that to go deeper and to free write, to meditate even, and just to kind of ask the deck, like, what do I need to know? How can I deepen this character and pull cards? Like, make it a real process where you're just having a conversation, a dialogue, see what the cards have to say. They usually have a lot. Yeah, I love that too. And is it, um, it like, the, the, the writers that you work with, in this way are they already tarot people are they already familiar with it or is this like maybe the first introduction for some of them and you know how, how comfortable do they get well i like to say that by the end of the class they're very comfortable <laughs> at least that's my intention you know if they're not comfortable they haven't told me and i, I kind of like i hope they're comfortable because i really I really try to meet them on their level. And I've had people who've never picked up a tarot deck, people who are incredibly familiar with a tarot and work with it every day. And so I always feel that my job as a teacher is to see what they needed to meet them on their level. Before I always get into teaching a class, I always do a survey of like, where are you? What are you working on? How can I help you? 
because even though they're coming to my class and it's a certain curriculum that I've developed over the, you know, years that I've been teaching this class, um, everybody has different needs. And as writers are in different places, like, like I started teaching a terror for fiction writers class last night and I have everybody from people who've written several novels to somebody who is just starting to write and she's interested in recording her family history um, to somebody who writes songs and poems, which are a different form of storytelling. I think that's the thing that connects it all is that all of these are forms of storytelling and tarot is perfect for that because yeah. tarot is really built with story cycles. You know, you look at the major arcanas and it's the hero or heroines return, the universal story, and then you look at the minors and it's more about the details of life, but different aspects of them. Welcome to the Tarot Today Live show. Okay, we got to stop the video. <laughs> it started cycling again, Marianne. I didn't know it was going to do that. But um, wow, what a great interview. Okay. And look, she was awesome, wasn't she? Oh, and the, gosh. The I could listen to her tarot, all day. The guy in tarot that she mentioned, but we couldn't think of the name. That's, that's by um, Joanna Powell Colbert. Just wanted to throw that out there in case somebody was like, yeah, who wrote this? Who did the guy in tarot? And it was that mm. who? Yeah, I got to figure out that player, make it so it doesn't loop and just stop. <laughs> I was counting down 10 minutes, three minutes, and I'm like, uh... Oh, I missed the end. <laughs> but um, boy, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I wanted to, again, remind everyone that if you want to get the whole interview, we're going to post it on YouTube in a little bit here because um, there there is a little bit more uh, to it and uh, I think some really good stuff in the latter half of the, or the ending of the um of the video i think there's only about another 10 minutes or so so if you've already watched it here you know when we post the full video you know look for where it says full and uh just just scroll ahead you know like you know fast forward 25 minutes and then you, you can pick up the last 10 minutes there but yes awesome stuff just in time for halloween right Oh, yeah. She was great to talk to. Really, really fascinating lady. Awesome. Awesome. So we are back live here. And if you have uh, a question or want to comment on the interview or anything like that, I know Sharona and Charlotte and a bunch of people are in the chat right now on YouTube. Hey, people. Yep. You want us to pull a card for you, pop it in there, pull a card for me. If you have a very specific question, put your specific question in. And we'll pull some cards on that. You can also call into the show, 714-816-4628. Remember to press 1 on your dial pad. That puts you in the caller queue. Let's us know you want to be live on air with us in the order that you called in, 714-816-4628. We got people in the caller queue, Mary, but they don't have their hands raised. So if you, you raise your little hand yeah. in the air. So we're going to assume you're just listening unless you uh, raise your hand there. And uh, the Psychic Talk Radio Network, I wanted to mention what's coming up here. Let's see. There won't be a show tomorrow on uh, Sunday because it's the fifth Sunday of the month. So I wanted to mention that we'll be back on Monday. And this is a big one. This is, uh, of course, Halloween, right, Mary? Yes. But yes. it's also the 18th birthday of the Tarot Guild. It is our 18th anniversary. We're going into our 19th year. Can you believe that? <laughs> no, I can't. Time it's has crazy. flown. It's just crazy, I'm telling you. Yes. Uh, so much fun. So much fun. So we have a, a few minutes left in the show here. Let me check the... Um, the comments and see what's going on in there. Charlotte says hi. And hi, Charlotte. Sharona as well. In Sharona. There. I'm not seeing any questions or reading requests, so that's fine. Oh, there is some interesting comments from Allison I'm seeing mm -hmm. here that we can talk about. Let's see what she says here. Readers should be informed of 
the outcome of their prediction. Yes, we tell our callers and uh, folks asking questions in the chat, you know, call back into the show. Let us know what happened after we did a reading for you. We've, we, we've been saying that for they 30 often years. Do. <laughs> and they often do. Yes, I, I think Allison uh, has found us on YouTube, so she's not aware that uh, we've been doing this for 13 years, and we've gotten a ton of feedback. People have called in to tell us that, you know, exactly what we told them was going to happen, happen. We've also had folks come in and, and tell us that uh, they listened to what we had to say, where the trajectory was taking them, and they decided not to go to that outcome. They didn't want that outcome. So they either consciously or unconsciously, you know, decided and made the changes. So they made new decisions going into the future. That's how this works, folks. You know, um, we're primarily life coaches. I wanted to point that out. And, and in fact, Mary and I are both certified life coaches. I'm a certified clinical hypnotherapist as well. And, um, that's how it works. Uh, we, you know, uh, that comes up a lot, you know, uh, psychic psychics love to do their, you know, percentages of accuracy, you know, first thing I want to point out is that we've said it for 13 years now, we are tower readers, not psychics. It doesn't mean we don't have intuitive flashes. It doesn't mean that we don't, uh, have intuitive insight into things as we're pulling the cards, but we are reading the cards and, what you're getting is a snapshot of the now. We're only ever in the now. So the decisions you've made in the past have created a trajectory that is coming through the current moment and out into the future. And the trajectory you're on now and the decisions you've made in the past and what you're deciding right now is taking you to potential outcomes. The outcomes are potential. So then, you know, we put it in your hands. We are not here to tell you what to do, okay? We're here to yeah. give you information, and you decide what to do with that. You might, not, you might not like that outcome that we said, hey, you're on this trajectory, according to the cards, you're going to end up here. And you may decide to consciously or unconsciously make different choices and go to a different outcome. So, you know, the whole thing about psychic, first of all, we're not psychic, got to say that again, <laughs> knock that in. Uh, but also um, this, this whole concept of, you know, percentages of accuracy is in itself inaccurate because it's not about telling you is going to happen and will that happen or, or won't that happen, you know? So, I just wanted to respond to Allison's um, comment on that. Let everybody know that, yeah, we've been doing this for 13 years. We've been asking for feedback, and we get it quite a bit. What would you like to say about that, Mary? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, did, I don't really see her comment, but, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I can only think of it from my own perspective. Like, I'm never – going to go to a to a tarot reader or even a psychic or a medium or whatever and expect them to tell me what to do with my life that that would be kind of crazy you know you can it's like anybody else you get advice from it it's really up to you to kind of take the ball and run with it and you know I I think of it like um oh you know to me predictions are sort of like those uh you know or or people that go to readers for predictions, you know, mm, for predictive yeah. readings. It reminds me of those amazing Zoltar machines, you know, where you stick a coin in and your little fortune comes out, you know, it's like, <laughs> that's not what I am. You know, that's not what, you know, other readers, you, you know, other people I know are, you know, like we're people like anybody else. We've, we've acquired the skills and, you know, um, that's one thing I always do, though, is like I find more often than not, you know, to my regular clients, I'm like you're telling them, get a tarot deck, get a tarot deck, you know, do it yourself. Even if you, yeah, well, even if you still want to get reading from other readers, it's great still 
if you're at least familiar with the tools that they're using and learn how they work, you know, it's not a magic eight ball. You know, there's a, there's a lot involved. We're talking about, my goodness, you know, a tradition that's been around since the late 1400s, right? You know, so it, it, it's a little bit deeper than that. There's a, there's a lot of layers to it mm -hmm. that maybe, you know, the average person who doesn't maybe do reading um, doesn't understand. And then they go to a reader and it's like, tell me my fortune, because that's, that's the image out there, you know, that's been the image out there for a long time of, of tarot readers as fortune tellers. And um, gosh, what is it? Uh, you know, James Rickliffe, you know, famous little, you know, quote, I'm not, uh, I'm a fortune helper, not a fortune teller. I love that quote. Yeah. Reminds me of that, you know, and that's how I look at it, you know, because I can think of other other people in my life that I've gone to that aren't readers that don't have anything to do with tarot, but, you know, maybe mentors or, or people, you know, colleagues that I worked with. And I would ask their advice on, you know, maybe something to do with my career or something just as a friend or a colleague. And even then, you know, I still had to make my own choices. I still had to make my own decision. I still had to decide, did I want to go down the path they indicated to me? Or do I want to go my own way? And so you want to always maintain that that autonomy and and not um, make your life choices dependent upon what anyone else is telling you. You've got to do what you've got to do. You've got to take those steps. Somebody else can't tell you exactly how to move in the world. You know. Right. Right. And um, oh, real quickly, Jason just popped in. I'm a little late. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jason. Yeah. Sharona's got a question for us. She wants us to pull a card on, but just to fill up, uh, just to finish up on that um, with Allison and for, you know, some of our new viewers on YouTube, uh, we've been doing this for 13 years. You know, we have been making this, these disclaimers and uh, explaining the process and, you know, it's up to, it's up to you to, Take it for what it's worth and um, how you want to interact with the information that we're presenting and that we're getting in the cards. You know, we're not psychics, you know, and because she, she makes a big deal, I think, out of that talking about, for instance, mm -hmm. that um, uh, for entertainment purposes only, proper disclaimer should be made on all psychic shows. Again, we're not psychic. But uh, yes, there are certain tr there are certain jurisdictions where uh, people that are making predictions are required to say this is for entertainment only, you know. And uh, we usually ha we have disclaimers all over our websites. Maybe we should put a, yeah. a disclaimer in the YouTube videos in the um, the text section, you know, the description. Oh, why not? Yeah, we'll we'll put that in there for you, Allison, and everybody else out there. Yes, it's for entertainment purposes only in the in jurisdictions that require that. Now, um, but she does comment about you know, uh, please be responsible. Uh, yeah, we, again, we've been doing this for 13 years, and and we've made these disclaimers, um, pounded in them that it's for entertainment only. It's not truth. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Uh, yeah, in in um, jurisdictions where we are required by law to say this is for entertainment purposes only, we do that. However, what do you mean by truth? And uh, she made some other comment about, you know, recent readings you both did prove wrong. First of all, I don't know how she knows that unless it, we did a reading for her, maybe, maybe hers. But and what did we do a prediction? No, that's my question. Yeah, do we my do question. a prediction? And if the but prediction comes... Well, let me finish, Mary, real quick. You know, okay. if if we did do a prediction for you and it did not come true, did you make new decisions that took you in a different trajectory? That's the whole purpose of the reading. You know, uh, yes, things that we that may sound predictive that that we put out there might not come true, and in some cir certain you know circumstances, I mean, the the client or the caller or the person in chat does not want that to come true, you know? So it's your yeah. definition of wrong. Were we wrong? Well, maybe not if you've made certain new decisions going forward that have taken you to a different outcome. There's no such thing as wrong. 
in it. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's how you take the information. And uh, it is. Yeah. And as far as it being truth, uh, it, tr- truth is what you make of it. You know, uh, you, you know, take it worth, a, 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 you know, a, some salt over the shoulders, so to speak, kind of thing. I mean, I mean, come on, folks, you know, you're adults, you know, take the information, use it to your advantage, disregard it if you like, you know, but if you're coming here and asking the questions, <laughs> anyway, just wanted to finish up with that. And we're, we're, at, we're at the end of the show, but um, let's do Sharona's question here. Um, what is their question? I have a question. I am starting a new part-time gig on Monday. Draw me a card. Ooh, excitement. Yes. Oh. I'm shuffling here. Let's see what comes up here. And Jason yeah. says, um, Jason says, hey, Jason. You, always, you always have to ask the question, what is tarot? And then he also comments, it's for the person who is getting the reading to decide. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Okay. Where's Jason? All the way in Madrid, right? Yeah, he's in Madrid. I want to go visit Jason. Me too. Oh, my God. Big trip out to Madrid. So, real quick, the message I'm getting from the tarot is the Nine of Wands. He looks a little weary there. Okay. Um, and you know, traditionally, traditionally with the nine of wands, and it's interesting because it's a uh, nine date uh, about um, letting some things go and new new beginnings. You know, you're going to start at one. You know, the, the next day. Um, so, Sharona, really, what I think this is talking about is the message from the tarot for you in regards to this new gig is you got all the skills, hon. You got everything you need. You are ready for this. It's going to go really nice and well for you. What'd you get, Mary, for a card? Well, I drew a card from this little cute deck, the Divine Doors. I think this is out of. Uh, oh, look at that. Distributed by U.S. Games, I believe it may be a Rockpool deck. Yeah, it's a Rockpool publishing deck. But anyways, so I pulled this door. This oh. door. For Sharona, look at the door. Maybe the door will look like that. You're right, you know. But what's really interesting, the message, all these cards have little affirmations on the back. The message is inner power. Inner Mm. power. Sharona, you've got this. You've got this. You may have to dig down deep, but I I don't think you're going to have any problem. You're a pro. You go get it. Go, girl. That's exciting. You're going to have to tell us how it went and what you did and all that cool stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Inquiring minds want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. And uh, we're at the end of the show. This was great. Wow. That was fast. Yes. Just zipped by there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember to catch the full interview with Chris Mm -hmm. on our YouTube channel as soon as I can get it uploaded, you know, probably later this afternoon. And uh, there really is some cool stuff at the end, you know, but we had to shorten it a little bit for uh, the radio radio audience. Yes, yes. Awesome stuff. And thanks, Mary, for being here. Thank you, Dax. And And thanks, everybody, for listening today and everybody in the chat on YouTube and listening on the phone on Blog Talk. We We like you. We like you. (laughs) We will see you all on Monday. Don't forget, you can come and help us celebrate the 18th anniversary of the Tarot Guild. That's as well as Halloween. Yes, if you want to dress up, by the way, for Halloween and for our uh, our live, you can. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, goodbye, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Goodbye, Mary. Bye, Dad. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Good night, Mary Ellen.